And uh, what I want to talk to you about as we get started tonight is what I would call prayer patterns in the book of Acts. Prayer patterns in the book of Acts. Now, the the thing that's very significant about the book of Acts is that it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but that book would more accurately be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Because you notice the apostles didn't do a whole lot (laughs) until the Holy Spirit came. And then when the Holy Spirit came, they received the empowerment from on high, which is the same empowerment on high that we have today. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have Holy Spirit Jr. Hey, (laughs) you've got the same Holy Spirit that they had in the book of Acts. And and so therefore, what what a blessing that, that we can go ahead and look at the book of Acts as our pattern for for so many things uh uh you know pattern for uh uh seeing the the supernatural power of god at work but uh, and a pattern of what were they preaching and what were they were emphasizing and of course it's interesting as you go through the book of acts especially you see the continual emphasis of the uh, the, the resurrection of Jesus. They preached the resurrection of Jesus. That was the, the central theme of what they were putting out there. And so therefore that lets us know something as well, that that's our central theme. If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. And, and, uh, and also the, uh, what we're going to emphasize tonight, we're going to look at the, the prayer patterns. It, it re- really it's kind of like this. If you were to take everything that the book of Acts says about prayer and lump it all together and try to make it into some kind of organized fashion, we'll, we'll go ahead and kind of see a step-by-step of things that are emphasized or at least brought up and brought to our attention in the book of Acts along the idea of prayer. And uh, so are you ready for this? Oh yeah. Yes. Praise God. Well, first of all, you'll be surprised by this. So, you know, don't fall off your seat. But the book of Acts reveals that prayer is meant to be a habit. Hey, now. Heavy, revy. Here we go. This is Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Think about that, that, that even in Jewish culture, at the temple, you had the... Uh, the the regimen, the discipline of having our prayer at certain times uh, of, of the day or certain times of the week. And here, Peter and John, uh, uh, now being believers in this new guy that everybody's hearing about, Jesus, the one that they're going and declaring that he's resurrected from the dead, but they maintain that same habit of having a regular time of prayer. You also see it in Acts 16, verse 13. And uh, this is interesting. It says, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Think about this. This not only reveals the fact that there was a, a uh, regular prayer going on, that prayer was being customarily made, but that there was a location where prayer was customarily being made. How many of you have that spot? You know, whether uh, it's your car, 
whether it's somewhere in the house, whether it's a walk on the beach. Of course, you probably won't be doing that tonight or tomorrow morning. But uh, uh, you, you've got your spot with God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't mind telling you, me and God have a playlist. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you, you, you and your spouse, those of you who are married, might say, oh, yeah, that's our song. Yeah, me and my honey, we, we got some, some of those songs. I'm not going to get into our playlist tonight, but we'll, we'll get into this one here, right? Uh, but, but, but the idea is this, that uh, you, you just have special moments with God, a special place with God, special times with God. That's a beautiful thing. This is a relationship, like I said earlier, it's meant to be that way. That, that you got a regular routine of getting together. you got even a meeting place. Say, all right, Lord, I'll be back there by the river. <laughs> I'll be there by the river. I'll see you there. And it's not that the Lord's not everywhere. Of course, you can call on the Lord anywhere. And the Lord will hear you. He's everywhere present. We understand that. But there's just something that Jesus called it your prayer closet. Which is, doesn't have to be a, a literal closet. But, but it's, it's a place where you go that is your set apart place to get away from the rest of the world and get with God. Amen. Uh, we see this as well, that, that along the lines of the fact that they had a habit of prayer, we also see that they continued in prayer. That this was not just kind of, you know, uh, a habit that we'll just go ahead and have this for a little while and kind of try this out for a while. And then, you know, if it doesn't feel so thrilling and exciting anymore... We won't do it anymore. No, this is something that they continued in, which, of course, <laughs> is telling us a very serious message that we ought to be continuing it in it as well. Acts one fourteen. <coughs> this is talking about the 120 that were gathered together in the upper room in preparation for what was the day of Pentecost. It said, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So they continued. Who was there? The women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And of course, it mentions others who were there as well. But, but, but it's interesting uh, that, that Jesus' brothers were there. And uh, Jesus' brothers are named over in uh, Mark chapter 6. Uh, one of them also identified in Scripture as who the Bible calls James, the Lord's brother. How many of you remember reading that in your Bible before? So what one of uh, Jesus' brothers was uh, James. And, uh, of course, you got Mary, the mother of Jesus, continuing in prayer. And uh, what, what a blessing and what, what a model of how to do things right is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, uh, um, uh, you know, with the, and of course, when, when people talk about Mary, you know, you got people that have a lot of, ideas and a lot of angles on Mary. But I, I would say this to, to anybody uh, on, on any side of the fence when it comes to Mary, take her advice, which is this. She said, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And besides that, Mary embraced God as her savior. She said, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. That's good advice. And besides that, she was there praying in preparation for the day of Pentecost. She was there on the day of Pentecost, which means she was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. 
So I got to tell you, you got some good advice you can take from uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. What she said at that wedding feast, she said, whatever I say to you, do it. And she said, I, I rejoice in God, my Savior. So if, if, if she's her Savior, you need a Savior too. He's your Savior too. And then besides that, she was filled with the Holy Spirit there on the day of Pentecost. What a great example to follow, to go in to the things of God. And not just, you know, kind of on the surface, but to go into the deep things of God. Go deep. You know you're going deep when you're all in. And you say, Lord, <laughs> behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me as you will. And especially when uh, you, you get a word like she got, she was in deep. But she trusted God all the way, and thank God we can do the same. I don't know why I got into that, but that's good for somebody, so take and run with it. But the idea is continuing in prayer. Acts 2.42 brings the same message across. It says that they, the, the, the early converts, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Um, Acts 10, and I won't get into that right now, but I'll... I'll I'll, I'll refer to it here, but we, we won't have to look up the verses of Acts 10. But, but uh, there was an Italian man named Cornelius. And uh, this was a man who the scripture describes, he, he was always giving and always praying. It said that he prayed to God always. Well, that's being continuous in prayer. Continuing in prayer. And what happened to him as a man continuing in prayer... Woo! It got heaven's attention and an angel showed up in his room and the very first instance of the gospel being preached to the Gentiles recording the book of Acts was here. Now it may have happened previously because we know that, that uh, the, uh, of course we know about the Ethiopian eunuch who got saved over in Acts chapter 8 and uh, and, and we, we believe that, that he, being in a position of influence, was able to bring the gospel to the nation of Ethiopia. But, but here's the, the first real detailed description of what happened when, when the gospel went beyond the Jewish people and actually went to the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people. And it was right here with a man who was praying all the time. Hallelujah. You know, we also see this in the book of Acts, the importance of unity. And I've got to tell you, you cannot emphasize unity enough. Amen. In the local church, in the church at large, you cannot underemphasize unity. Amen. And I've got to tell you, it does not mean that you agree about everything. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, you, you might be shocked. Did you know that there are both Democrats and Republicans that go to church here? Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Worship the same God under the same house, under the same roof. Wow. Independence, too. Independence, too. That's right. Hey, you know what? Think about this, that, that, that you have so many people with, 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 with so many different ways of thinking and ideas and backgrounds and so on. 
But, but, but I got to tell you something. There is just something about unity among the body of Christ that is absolutely necessary for God to do everything he wants to do. It's so important, so important that Jesus spent time praying about it. Out of all the things that Jesus could have prayed to the Father for before he went and suffered and died for us, he prayed for us to be one even as he and the Father is one. Woo! I'd say that's important stuff. And then besides that, when you see the pattern of what happens when unity happens, Psalm 133 says, and this is not in there, but that's all right, uh, uh, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Brethren, brothers and sisters, everybody. And it says it is like the anointing oil that, that flows down Aaron's beard and down the skirt of his garments. And then it goes on to say that there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. Now think about this, that, that where unity is, what's flowing? The oil's flowing. What's that oil? That oil is the anointing oil, somebody. That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He can flow in that kind of atmosphere. What else do you have going on in the place of unity? There... In the place of unity, there, the Bible says, the Lord commands his blessing. Somebody say, I want some of that. Some of that, some of that. In the book of Acts, you see this, the day of Pentecost. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, they heard heard a sound of a mighty rushing wind that filled the place where they were sitting. And, 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 And cloven tongues of fire landed on their heads. They all spoke with tongues, were, were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It, it's just an amazing thing. All that happened, all that amazing, uh, the, the amazing event that ultimately poured out of that room out onto the streets of Jerusalem and 3,000 people got saved in that one meeting. And how did it all get started? Because people were in unity. A few chapters later, chapter 4 of Acts, they're all praying together in one accord. Woo! Acts 4.24 says, So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. That's Acts 4.24. Now, if you go all the way to the end of this passage, which I'm not sure they got the verse back there, but if you look at it in your own Bible, you see at the end of this prayer, there's an earthquake. Wow. So you've got unity creating a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Spirit filling everybody in the room. You've got unity that results in a great earthquake and people that were already filled with the Holy Spirit being refilled again with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens in a place of unity. We cannot overemphasize unity. We cannot overemphasize it. Because I got to tell you, we will not have unity of mind. Not everybody will have the same thought, think the same way, process things the same way. Different people come from different life experiences. That's why we need each other, because everybody got a piece of the pie that the other one don't got. 
So what a blessing it is, especially in a, 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 a setting like this, to be enriched by each other, to be enriched by somebody who, who, who grew up uh, uh, differently than you did. And for us to be able to, to uh, in, in a sense, bear one another's burdens and share one another's experiences and, and, and to, to genuinely care about each other and, and to, to, to become one in Christ. You, you may not think the same way about everything. But when it comes to him, when it comes to the word, that's where your thinking is right in line. When it comes to him, when it comes to the word, that's where, where, where there's unity of spirit. And that was the prayer, and that's actually what Paul talked about in Ephesians 4. He's talking about the unity of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Very, very important. So, we're talking about having a habit of prayer, continuing in prayer, the importance of unity in prayer. How about this? How to pray when you get in trouble. Woo! Now that, uh, we, we just read Acts 4.24, but I want you to go ahead and look at Acts 4.29. Now, just to give you a little background, this verse started, uh, this prayer started in verse 24. So the prayer starts in verse 24, and then you got 25, 26, 27, 28. You, so you have five, five verses of prayer, and now here in verse 29, they actually get around to mentioning to God what the problem was that they were praying about. <laughs> Is somebody getting that tonight? That means even when there's a problem that needs to be prayed about, our focus with God Never should be, oh God, this problem's so big. The very first thing they did in prayer before they got to mentioning the problem was they magnified God. They talked about how big God is and how grand and great and glorious God is. And then they got to this. (laughs) And now, Lord, look on their threats. Because they were threatened. You better not be preaching in the name of Jesus anymore. There's going to be big trouble around here. Now, Lord, look on their threats. That's all they said. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So what they did, this is how they prayed about the threats. The, the way they were threatened to not preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They spent a good amount of time talking about how big and how great and how grand and glorious God is. And they said, now, Lord, look at what these guys are saying to us and make us so bold that they, they're just going, their head's going to spin. They don't know what to do with us because we are so bold to do this and we're unstoppable to do it. See, there's something about how to pray when you get in trouble. That you're not magnifying the trouble, you're not magnifying the problem, you're always magnifying the God who's bigger than the problem. Mm, mm, mm. Come on. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, there were people in the book of Acts who were in trouble that needed to be prayed for. Remember Peter? (coughs) Over in Acts 12, it mentions that... uh, 
Uh, you know, uh, of course, James was beheaded and Peter was about to be next in line. Peter's in jail. And in verse 5 of Acts 12, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So where did the prayer go? It went to God. Who was it for? It was for Peter. And who was doing the praying? The church was praying. All right? Constant prayer. Because James had just got beheaded by King Herod, and the church did not want to lose Peter. And they got to praying. By the way, Peter was around for at least another two decades. So he, that prayer got answered, praise God. Talking about another place of praying for someone in trouble. This was a situation where these guys themselves were the ones in trouble and where they took the approach of prayer and praise right in the middle of trouble. We're talking about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. You know, they they were, uh, uh, you know, just trying to preach the gospel and mind their own business and trouble got stirred up as it did in so many places where Paul went to preach the gospel. And uh, uh, so, so you have this situation here where, where, where you've got the, the, these, these men that are, uh, you know, chained up, stocks and bonds. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I love the little line somebody told me years back that, that Paul would have been good on Wall Street because of all the stocks and bonds he was into. <laughs> Moving right along, all right. But uh, 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 he was in the kind of socks and bonds that you would not want to be in. He was in an old, dirty Roman jail. I mean, you know, uh, rats somebody. I mean, nasty, you know. Rats. Historians say very likely raw sewage as well. Not the kind of place you want to be. And then besides that, put in there with a bloody back, beaten with a whip for doing the right thing. And what did they do? Acts 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you, that's just pretty amazing, isn't it? Think about the fact that you, in the the worst moment, at what could figuratively be midnight for you, the darkest time where things are just looking the worst they can look, and at that very moment, woo, (laughs) I don't feel like it. Ain't nothing about the circumstances around me tells me I should, but I'm going to do it anyhow. I'm going to get my praise on. And I'm going to pray and sing praises to God. And I'm going to do it right in the middle of the mess. And I'll tell you, the faith that it took to do that got an immediate response. And sometimes I got to tell you, you know, I was talking to somebody on the phone today. And I said, this is my advice for you. 
when you, when you feel least like doing the right thing, go ahead and do it. That, that's my heavy advice I gave to somebody today. When you least feel like doing the right thing, when you least feel like pressing in, pressing into the word, pressing into prayer, praise, worship, whatever, when you feel like it the least, that's the right time. Dig in, press in, go for it. Because I'll tell you, that's what happened here at the time where you say, what are these guys doing? What they got to be singing about? Look at the situation they're in. That's when to do it. And you see how quickly God moved on their behalf by having the faith to go ahead and have a praise party instead of a pity party. Hallelujah. Well, what other goodies can we get into tonight? Of course, I won't spend a whole lot of time on this because I know Pastor John got into it last week. But one thing that's clear in the book of Acts is praying for the sick. And I got to tell you, I believe in healing. I believe that Jesus is a healer. Not a was, used to be once upon a time, back in those days, praise the Lord. No, 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 is, is. He has to be. Because if he's not, that means he's different. And if he's different, that means he's not the same. And if he's not the same, he ain't Jesus. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, uh, Acts 28, verse 8. Um, Paul and his crew ended up on, on an island. I believe it was Melita. And uh, Paul went and prayed for the father of Publius, who was laying sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. Prayer for the sick. We see it mentioned in Acts chapter 4 as well, when Pastor John was emphasizing this last week. We'll take a look at it, Acts 4 and uh, verse uh, uh, 29. Now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Keep that verse up for a minute. So we see here, once again, the the, the prayer that the Lord would stretch out his hand to heal. And then besides that, besides healing, you also see a prayer for signs and wonders to be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, I want to tell you this. The Bible says in Mark 16, at the end of the chapter, that the, the, the uh, disciples went everywhere and they, they spread the gospel. They preached what they were told to preach by Jesus, the head of the church. And the Lord was working with them and confirmed the word with signs following. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. Remember that? So the, there's something about signs, wonders, special things that God does that follow the preaching of the word. 
So I'm not discounting the necessity of preaching the Word to have signs following. Because signs can only follow the preaching of the Word. However, the fact is that these guys still prayed that there would be signs and wonders wrought by the name of His holy child, Jesus. So if you combine the preaching of the Word and fervent prayer for God to move in special ways through signs and wonders to catch attention of people and bring them to himself, you got a one-two powerful combination that will result in nothing less than signs and wonders. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not going to go ahead and read this right now. I, I, I know y'all have this verse in the back. We'll skip over this. But, but uh, check out when you have the time, Acts 9, 35 to 42. It's, it's a story of uh, uh, a young lady uh, who is named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. My sister, I knew you always had a good name. Praise the Lord, Miss Dorcas. All right. And uh, uh, here... Peter, while everybody's crying and and bewailing the fact that she's gone, Peter comes in and prays. And then he turns to the body. That's what the Bible said. He's there praying and then turns to the body and starts talking to a corpse. And this girl came back to life. So once again, you see the connection between somebody praying and then what followed? Woo! Signs and wonders. That's more than healing when you're dead. You know that? I mean, you know, when you're still alive, you know, that's healing. When you're dead, you need more than healing. You, you, need, a, you need a total reboot. Come on now. Hallelujah. So I'm kind of... Uh, I'm looking in a broad spectrum tonight, but I want you to see all the 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 all, all of the the power that prayer had, and all the avenues that the prayer took in the early church. Uh, there, there, there was nothing that we weren't going to pray about. There, there, there was nothing that that prayer was not going to have something to do with. That prayer was not going to address in some way. We're going to keep on going a little bit more and see some more. They prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 15. Who, talking about Peter and John, when they had come down, prayed for them, that being the Samaritans. Why? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. So here, they're praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit. And you think about the case of Saul who we better know as the Apostle Paul over in Acts uh, 9. Jesus shows up and talks to this guy named Ananias, who is a disciple who lives in Damascus. And the Lord said to Ananias, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Wow, think about that. That him praying would be a, a chain reaction of events that, that would move Jesus, the head of the church, 
to tap one of his disciples on the shoulder right there in that city, said, here's the address, go to this guy's house. He's praying. Hallelujah. I got to tell you, I heard in my spirit tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody here has been praying. And just like Jesus sent somebody to this house, Jesus is sending somebody to your house so that need can be met and that prayer be answered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, you either believe this thing or you don't. I do. Come on, believe it with me. Glory to God. Woo, wow. I wasn't expecting that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> don't mind if I take me a praise break. Amen. Hallelujah. So here, Paul's praying, right? That's 9-11. What about 9-17? What's the answer to the prayer when he gets there? Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me. Why? That you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, he's already a believer. You know how I know Paul was a believer or Saul was a believer? I'll, I'll, I'll give you several reasons. The first reason is that when he got knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus, and he was initially going there to take Christians and throw them in jail. Hey, but what happened? Rather than throwing them in jail, uh, uh, he got knocked off his horse, saw a light brighter than the noonday sun, and heard these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what was his response? He said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord responded, and he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then Paul's response was, Lord, what do you want me to do? I know that Paul was already a believer at this point because he called Jesus Lord. And if you believe in your heart and the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or it's the other way around, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So there was the confession of Jesus as Lord. But then besides that, when Ananias went and talked to him, you can put that last verse up again. What did Ananias call him? He called him Brother Saul. Hey. Which means, I don't care what you were three days ago or six days ago or last year. Now, you family. You in the family now. Glory to God. Isn't that amazing? So here's a man who at this point is a believer, but he's praying. He's praying because he needs to know what's next. He needs to know what to do next. He, he needs to know where to go next. I mean, this is all very new to him. He wasn't just, you know, going down the road to Damascus expecting this to happen. So he wanted what's next. And what was next? For him to receive his sight so that those scales from his temporary blindness would be removed from his eyes. But what did he need to go and fulfill the powerful ministry God called him to? He needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he surely was. And that was connected to the fact 
that he was praying. He was praying, and I believe that here is where he received the very thing that he was praying for. Glory to God. Let me tell you this. Prayer, and this is a pattern that we see in the book of Acts, that prayer will lead you to deeper experiences in God and receiving further direction that you need for your life. Prayer will lead to you experiencing deeper experiences in God and receiving further direction for your life that you need. Acts 22, 17 and 18. The scripture says, Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him, that being Jesus, saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And of course, Jesus went on and gave some further direction. But, but here, as praying was taking place in the temple, as prayer was happening, what did prayer trigger? It, it, it was the opportunity where a supernatural experience was had. A supernatural experience where direction was given that was necessary for the next step. Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts 11.5. And this is Peter retelling the story of what happened as far as his part in the the story of Cornelius, the the Italian guy that, that, uh, uh, that I was telling you about earlier in Acts chapter 10. So here, Peter said, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. Now, the idea of a trance, that's, that's not you, uh, you know, getting into some strange position and putting your fingers in a strange way and trying to empty your mind. I'm not talking about that. You see, there's, there's the dark side of the supernatural as well. I'm not talking about the dark side of the supernatural. I'm talking about the, the, the light side of the supernatural. You see, so some people think that in order to, to meditate that you're emptying your mind, God's way of meditating, you're not emptying yourself. You're filling yourself with something. Hallelujah. You're, you're filling yourself with the word. You're filling yourself with the thought of, of, of him and what he said and how he said the situation's going to turn out. So, so we're, we're not talking about something strange when we're talking about falling into, into a trance. We're talking about a genuine experience with the Spirit of God, kind of like what the Apostle John experienced when he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And what an amazing experience he had The fact that the Lord would give to him not just messages to give to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which are messages that are still pertinent for us this very day, but also the fact that he would give the amazing insight of how this thing is going to get wrapped up that we know as the book of Revelation. He was in the spirit. Hey, hey, don't be afraid of these things. You may not know a whole lot about it, but that's all right. Just go ahead and hang around people that do. And, and hang around the word of God and ha- hang around people that you know and trust in the Lord. Because we're not talking about being spooky, but I got to tell you, sometimes people in the church have been so concerned about not being spooky that they've gone so far away that they're not experiencing anything. And I'll tell you, what a wonderful place to be in the middle of the road where you're a person of the word and of the spirit. 
a person who understands the importance of good teaching and good sound doctrine, but also at the same time says that there's things that are meant to be experienced here. Things to experience in God that I want to experience. And so in the words of one wise person, if you're, if, if you're all on the side of the word and none of the spirit, you'll dry up. If you're all spirit and no word, you'll blow up. But if you got the right combination of the spirit and the word, you will grow up. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I know we're getting into a whole lot of stuff tonight. I hope you don't mind. I'm having fun anyway. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about praying that, uh, uh, and how prayer leads to deeper uh, experiences in God and further direction. Think about a situation like this. This is Acts 13. Now in the church there was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. That's Saul, who we better know as the Apostle Paul. Let's keep going. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. So what they're doing, they're ministering to the Lord. They're having time with God. They're having time in the presence of God. Waiting on the Lord. Singing to the Lord. Just having a good old time with the Lord. And what happens? The Holy Spirit starts talking. And he starts talking about direction that is necessary for the future of the guys present they're praying he said now separate to me barnabas and saul for the work to which i have called them verse three then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them they sent them away so think about how amazing a moment that was that in a time of ministering to the Lord, in a time of getting into the presence of God and seeking his face and, and letting him do everything that he wants to do, Lord, we're just going to wait on you. We, 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 we just want to hang with you, Lord. We, we just want to minister to you. Anything that you need, if you need something prayed for, we're going to pray for that. If you need something done, we'll get it done. We just want to take the time to minister to you, just put our focus and attention on you and what happens the holy spirit speaks with very specific direction about the future because in verse one saul was referred to as a prophet and a teacher but we better know him not as the prophet paul not as the teacher paul we better know him as the apostle paul that was the ministry that he was separated to at this moment in time hallelujah so times of prayer will lead to times of getting further direction that you need for things ahead. That's why if you don't pray, you may get stuck. Because you're not putting yourself in a position to be able to hear the instruction of what to do next. Oh. I'm going to flag you down tonight. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to wrap this up soon. Can y'all hang a few more minutes? Uh, you know, it's just the, the, the book of Acts, I mean, just such an amazing blueprint. So I, the, that's really the, our, our goal tonight is to look at this as a blueprint for what we ought to do. We, we see here in the, the verse we were just reading, their prayer was used to commission people to God's service. That last verse we read, verse 3 of Acts 13, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. 
And that, that's the theme also in other places in the book of Acts. Acts 14, 23. They, when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So you see prayer it, it used to commission people to the service of God. Acts uh, 6. We won't read all of it. You can go ahead and skip down to uh, 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 verse 6. And, and this is a time where Stephen and six others were set aside to be able to be appointed over the business of the church so that the apostles didn't have to deal with the business. And then verse 6 says, Whom they set before the apostles, these seven guys, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So once you see, once again, you see the idea of prayer being used to commission people to the service of God. And that's still the way it's done today. Because we, we, uh, uh, when commissioning somebody to a certain thing, it's good to pray to find out who. And then once you know who, there are prayers involved in the commissioning of that, the, the ordaining of somebody to the ministry, or, or the, the placing of somebody in a position to do something for the Lord Prayer is always involved in things like that and needs to be. Amen. Amen. How many of you know Satan is threatened by prayer? I saw something in the Word that I really never noticed before, but I want to share it with you. And uh, this is something that if it was true in the book of Acts, you know it's true now. So if you ever feel something trying to keep you from praying, you know who. Look at this. This is Acts 16, verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer, on their way to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So who met them? A devil-possessed girl. And when... As they were on their way to prayer. Hey. And of course, this girl ended up screaming out, These men are the servants of the Most High God that bring us the way of salvation. But of course, there wasn't her doing the talking. That that was the, the evil spirits that were speaking through her. But you know what? She did that for many days, the Bible says, until the point where something just rose up in Paul and he said, Enough of this. And the name of Jesus Christ come out of her, and that devil came out of her. But I got to tell you, isn't it interesting that old devil would show up while they were on their way to prayer? Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened to anybody but me? Hey, oh yeah, we're going to pray today. Yeah, we're pressing into prayer. That's it. We got our prayer time. We got our prayer. I got a prayer appointment with God. Well, you, you know somebody's going to try to interrupt your appointment. So what, it's only him. <laughs> Somebody laugh at him. <laughs> it's only you. You ain't nothing. Come on, praise God. You ain't nothing because Jesus whooped you. Now, as we wrap this up tonight, we're looking at prayer patterns in the book of Acts. I want to show you something in the Bible of what not to do in prayer. Are you ready? And we're going to close the night out with this. Now, this is fun. This is what not to do in prayer. We saw a whole lot of good examples of what to do and how to do in so many other areas. This is what not to do. 
Remember we talked about earlier that Peter was in, in prison? Remember that? And the verse that we read earlier, and I'll read it back to you again. It said, uh, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. But now, oh, 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 oh. Uh, we're going to read the rest of that story. Are you ready? Now, at this point, I want you to realize this that the angel of the Lord had already gone into the prison and let Peter out and locked the gate back behind him, and the guards never even knew what happened. So Peter was already delivered by the power of God from prison. So he's already out. These people don't know it yet. But you're about to see their reaction. This is a good idea of what not to do. Are you ready? Acts 12, verse 12. So when he had considered this, that's Peter considering what just happened to him, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And who were they praying for? They were praying for him. They were praying for his rescue. They did not know that he had already been rescued. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. She left him there at the door, didn't even open it up. Ran in and said, hey y'all, Peter's here. Now, verse 15. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. And then verse 16. Now Peter continued knocking and when they opened the door and saw him they were astonished now this is what not to do all right thank you lord for getting peter out of jail lord we're praying for peter's deliverance lord get peter out of jail in jesus name and then there's knock at the door and you'd rather than everybody think, well, this might be it. Not what one girl goes against the door and she runs back in and says, Peter's at the door. And all these spiritual saints say, girl, you crazy. Lord, get Peter out of jail. Thank you, Lord, for getting Peter out of jail. But I'm telling you, it's really him. He's really there. Now, girl, you, if you saw anything at all, you just seen his angel. Lord, get Peter out of jail. What's wrong with that picture? The very thing they were praying about was already done and they were absolutely oblivious to it. The fact that the answer was right there knocking at the door and they thought, no, it couldn't be that the prayer was answered. It has to be that you're either crazy or his angels at the door. It could not be option three that God actually heard and answered what we've been praying about. So that's what not to do. Praise the Lord. How many of you learned something good tonight? Praise God. Amen. All right. Well, it's Bible study night. And uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, in this season, we're spending some time in the Word and spending some time praying. 
but I, I just felt in my heart tonight that uh, it was uh, good to just kind of break down the blueprint that we got and nothing better than the book of Acts. Look at what they did and look to do the same. Amen. Let us pray tonight. Father, we honor you and give you glory. We thank you for the word of God that uh, is so beautiful and so wonderful and so insightful. And we're so grateful for the way that you fed us tonight. We honor you. And hey, if you're here tonight and you know, you, you might be new to the things of God and just been, been around a little bit and you're just having.